This is episode number 143 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Fearless Presentations. I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and this is the podcast that helps you become a fearless and professional speaker and presenter. This is episode number 143, and this week I'm going to give you some of my best practices and tips for conducting virtual training sessions. The podcast, by the way, is brought to you by Fearless Presentations. And and just as a FYI, I I was so excited a couple of weeks ago because I taught our first in-person seminar since the whole pandemic hit. It was absolutely fantastic. The class sold out, which was great. And and the folks who attended were just stellar. They were so awesome. Um, We're still on a pretty limited schedule right now for the live in-person seminars. So if you're interested in attending one, make sure to check out the schedule on our website at fearlesspresentations.com. The next ones that are coming up are in Atlanta, Denver, Charlotte, Nashville, Orlando. We're, we're basically doing our, we've got them scheduled out in, in the, the Southeast and all the way to, to Texas. Um, for those of you who are in California or in the Northeast or Midwest, um, we're going to start scheduling those again back in January. There are some that are on the schedule now. Um, it depends on what happens in the next few weeks as to whether or not they're going to actually make or if they if if the um, municipalities are going to allow us to, to teach those classes. So if you really want to attend one of those in a northeast city or in California, you might want to push off until January, February. We're pretty sure that by then things will have squared away a little bit to where we can do the classes in more cities. I didn't call your city. I think we still have space available in the virtual class that's in December. And if you're wondering if a virtual class is going to be good for you, make sure and pay attention to this episode because we're going to talk about some of the really cool things that I do on the virtual classes to make the virtual classes really go. So for details about any of that, just go to fearlesspresentations.com. All right, so let's get on with today's topic. So the title today is, uh, it's about virtual instructor-led training and talk about best practices and tips. And, and in the past few months, many instructors, trainers, they've, they've had to adapt to a, a more virtual world. You know, trainers who embrace those virtual platforms and adapt the best, though, have an advantage over those who don't. So I, I thought it might be a good idea to cover a few of the the best practices for this type of instruction. So in this session, I'm going to cover a few of my tools and tips for virtual instructor-led type training programs. In addition, I'll, I'll, I'll start with exactly what that means. What does it mean when I say in virtual instructor-led? What exactly does that mean? And how is that different from other types of, of training, other types of online training, that kind of thing? So let's start with the definition first. So what exactly is 
virtual instructor-led training. What the heck is that? So to, to some of you, the definition seems pretty obvious. However, there's a little confusion because people use different words and phrases to describe various types of online training formats. So uh, let me give you a few of those along with, with um, a, a description that, that describes them. So, so we'll start with what I'm talking about here today, which is the, the instructor-led training that's, that's delivered virtually. So these are training sessions that are delivered um, via a, 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 a virtual meeting platform like Zoom or Microsoft Teams or GoToMeeting, that kind of thing. The second type of format is what's called online training. And a lot of times people use those interchangeably, but they're two totally different types of, of programs. Online training sessions are typically pre-recorded. They're pre-recorded sessions that, that can be accessed on demand. So it's a, it's a set course or training program that it's the same every single time. It's, it's pre-recorded um, and it's got really good information, but it's not as... Um, uh, you can't interact with the with the instructor. The instructor can't interact with the the people that are on the 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 meeting or on the call. The third type is what is a webinar. So even live webinars. Now webinars they can be live and they can also be instructor led. So basically you you can you you can have webinars that are live virtual instructor led webinars. But most of the time when folks kind of say it's a webinar, it's usually a, what I call a one-sided delivery. It usually means that the person who is teaching this program or delivering the information is going to be delivering it one way. It, it may get interactive at the end. They may open it up for questions at the end, but for the most part, it's kind of a one-way delivery. So most often when you view a webinar, the audience really isn't a part of the process. It's not really, it, it's kind of static. And as a result, they're, they're kind of a hybrid between the first two delivery types. So it's it's kind of a hybrid between the online training sessions, which is pre-recorded, and the live virtual training, like through Zoom. It's kind of a hybrid between those two. So, um, and by the way, the tools and tips that I'm, I'm going to give you in this session, they'll also, a lot of them anyway, will work very well for online training and for webinars as well. Um, it's just that quite a few of them are only going to be applicable on the live like zoom meetings and that kind of thing. So, so, um, so, but for the focus here today on the, on the session, I'm going to focus a lot on the live training sessions. The ones that are in front of a, a live audience, even though it's, it's through zoom or some other type of, of platform. So let's talk about the best practices. Then. So before you even start to design some type of training session, especially training sessions that are delivered through, through zoom, you have to understand the difference between the different delivery methods. You know, for instance, if a, if a viewer can watch the video replay of your live session and get the same exact results, then you're probably missing out on a lot of the value of having a live session, right? So the key difference is that is it's it's the interaction that you have with your audience and the interaction that your audience has with you as the speaker. So if if you are delivering a monologue to your your live audience, then you may want to make a few adjustments to your delivery. Um, so so let's let's talk about some of these these um, these best practices. The first one 
is you want to make your virtual training sessions shorter and more focused. <laughs> so um, I, I'll give you an example here. If you, if you want your to see your team members, whoever it is that's going to be on this on this call with you or on this meeting with you, you want to see them roll their eyes, just use these words in your next meeting. Hey, guys, we're going to be doing an eight-hour Zoom training session on Monday, right? <laughs> so... Yeah, that's going to turn off just about any type of audience. You'll likely hear a few groans. Oh, no, boss, no way. I got to do that, right? So basically, um, that's that's what, that's what the, uh, the, the thought process behind keeping it kind of short and sweet. So one of the major benefits of live interactive training sessions is that the instructor can break up the training into bite-sized pieces and when you do that, it's not going to be more costly to the, the the organization. You can actually get better results if you do it that way. So, by the way, this is a much, 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 much better way to develop a skill. Often with the in-person meetings, even, you know, our, our two-day fearless presentations class is pretty awesome. People go through that. And, and a lot of times folks will kind of say, oh, my God, that was life-changing. I wish I had done that sooner. Um, but but the reason why we cover so much in the two-day two day format is that um, a lot of times it's people have set aside that that amount of time. A lot of times people are traveling in to to come to the class, and so it, it's not like we can we can spend um, smaller amounts of time over over a period of of weeks doing it because it's just not logistically it's not very feasible. But um, so what and and that's what a lot of trainers do as well is that, you know, because it's so costly to get a group together, we want to jam as much content into that session as possible. And by the way, that's an absolutely terrible way to conduct in-person training as well, but it's, but that's kind of beside the point it's, but it's horrible if you're trying to do this virtually. So when you're scheduling virtual training of some type, the cost to get the group together is it's absolutely removed from the equation. There's no there's no cost. I mean, it's basically Zoom is what, you know, 15 bucks a month or something. It's really inexpensive. So um, uh, so I'll give you an example. Let's say that that a company invests in a new piece of software that is going to be used in, let's just pick 50 different cities or 50 different offices worldwide. And if, if you have to book travel for a minimum of 50 different people, it's in 50 different offices. So that's at least 50 people in the, at least one from each office. And a lot of times it's going to be multiple people from each office to, to get training on this in case somebody quits or something. Right. But if you have that type of expense, you're, you want to, you're going to want to make sure that you do it all at once. You don't want to have to, to, you know, spend the kind of money to get 150 people to a, a meeting room next month too. Right. So the odds that each of those people will be an expert at using that software after just a couple of days of training though, is really unlikely. I don't care how good the instructor is. I don't know how good, how good you are as a trainer. The, the odds are they're not going to be comfortable with being able to, to do everything that they can do with that, with that software. With a virtual delivery though, you could conduct a single hour of training with, with like an overview for the software and then give the participants some time to experiment with it. It's not live yet, so they get a chance to, to experiment with the software. And then a couple of days later, you bring the group back together to meet again and cover a specific component of that piece of software. Then the participants could have some time to master that specific component before returning for additional training. You do that over and over again. You, a lot of times, people learn 
faster when they're actually doing something than if they're just hearing it. So this, that process will happen. They're, they're going to get much more comfortable and master that entire process so much faster. They'll, they'll, they'll um, drop their learning curve exponentially by doing it that way. The second thing, by the way, that you can do as a best practice is include some discussions to make sure that your delivery is interactive. So one of the major benefits of a virtual type training program, especially when it's instructor led, um, is that a, a good instructor can make the session really interactive. Uh, so a big mistake that a lot of trainers make is, is that they focus too much on what they're going to say and how they're going to say it. And, but while, while they do this, they, they disregard the interaction with the group. So I'm more worried about my visual aids. I'm more worried about not flubbing something. I want to screw something up. Right. And so I'm focusing more on myself and I'm not really focusing a lot on the interaction with my group. You know, so for example, let's say that uh, like totally unrelated to, to training, but it's a good analogy for it. Let's say that a, a man asks a woman out on a date, and the man spends the entire dinner talking about himself, never allowing his date to his date to say anything at all. Doesn't ask her any questions. Doesn't doesn't get her input at all. It's basically all a one sided conversation throughout the entire hour, an hour and a half that that the the dinner date is going on. You think the guy's going to get a second date? Right? So, for, with with virtual training. Um, it, it's, it, it's kind of like you're, you're on a first date, even though you may have done this with the same group uh, many times, but it's kind of like you're on a date with your, your participants. You're the, the more that the instructor talks in a monologue format, the less the group is going to like it. So I, I typically suggest that instructors add some discussion throughout their, their sessions. Um, now, some of you may be thinking like I was the very first time I tried to do this myself is, it's easier said than done, though, Doug, right? So to help, I'm, I'm going to give you a few tips later on that's going to help you get the group. When I get to the tips, I'll give you some tips that you can use to get the group to interact with you and to and to respond when you're asking them questions and get some discussions in there. So it'll, it'll make it a whole lot easier for you. So the next best practice is that you want to make sure that you give tangible takeaways to the participants. They, they have to have something tangible, some kind of reason for them to be on your, your stupid meeting, right? So the best, the best training sessions, by the way, they deliver tangible results for the participants. You know, for like, for instance, a lot of times meeting planners, they often focus on audience satisfaction. They want the, they want the audience to, to do a survey at the end and they want the audience to say, oh yeah, the instructor was great and it was fun and it was interesting and stuff like that. A lot of times though, we, we're, it, this is a mistake, but it's not totally a mistake. I mean, obviously we want the speaker to be entertaining and we want to make sure that, that the satisfaction level is high, but we also want to measure something more valuable, which is the, the result that the people in the audience are, are getting from that training. If the, if the results aren't measured, it doesn't matter if they liked it or not. If they're, if, if nothing happened as a result of that training, if there's been no behavior change or anything like that, then it was wasted time. Right. So um, what I like to do is, is, is you want the, I mean, obviously you want the audience to enjoy the training. However, you want to you want to make sure that there's value added. So if you have both, by the way, you hit a home run. If you have an entertaining delivery and people like your delivery and you're giving them something that they can use and get a benefit from, then they'll absolutely love you because very, very few people in the world that are trainers can get both of those. The ones that are are highly sought after in the in the training industry. So one of the things that I like to do is to ask myself, pretend like I'm the person in the audience, and I ask myself, what result 
does my audience member need to receive from this training to make it worth his or her while? And, and I want to be very clear about the tangible result before I create the content. And then once I'm clear on that, then I design the content around that, that specific takeaway, that specific result. And as long as, as long as the audience receives that result at the end of my training program, then everybody's happy, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a good presenter and the people got value out of my, my session. So for instance, um, when we created the, the virtual version of the fearless presentations class, I got to admit, I was really hesitant. And the reason why is because I had spent a couple of decades building a brand, building the Fearless Presentations brand. Folks knew that if they came to a Fearless Presentations class, that we could help them reduce or, or in a lot of cases, totally eliminate nervousness. And if we had to make, it's, we, what we had to do was we had, when we were designing the virtual class, we had to make sure that if someone attended this virtual version of that class, that they got that result. They had to be able to eliminate their nervousness and not an easy thing to do. So basically some of the things that we did to ensure that we got that result or that the audience got that result was reduce the, we reduced the number of attendees, right? So, so it, very small groups. Um, in addition to that, we added more practice time for each one of the participants. So, which was easier to do because we had fewer people in the class. So, so, so far, by the way, the results have been fantastic. You know, as an instructor myself, I teach the class myself. I find that the people who have attended the virtual classes are actually getting even better results than what I've seen in our in-person classes. And the feedback that the participant give us, it actually backs that up. Not only are they telling us that, yeah, it was fun. We enjoyed it. They're like, man, this is life-changing. This is, I'm, I'm totally less nervous as a result of going through this training. So, and you want to do that too. You want to make sure that before you just put together a training program through Zoom, you want to spend some time making sure that your participants are going to get some tangible, tangible results from the training. Well, now that we've covered the the kind of some of the best practices, some things to keep in mind, let, let me give you a few tips that will help along the way. So these are a few of the 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 tips that I use and that I teach other folks about doing virtual training sessions. And the closer you stick to these guidelines, typically the better your training sessions are going to be. So one of the things that I encourage people to do quite often is use the breakout rooms in your virtual meetings. Now, Zoom was the first platform to create breakout rooms, at least that I came across anyway. In fact, I've, I've talked about it in a number of my, my um, podcasts and blog posts and stuff like that. But since then, you know, many others have kind of followed suit. And, and this is absolutely one of the most important tools for great virtual instructor-led sessions. So basically what you want to do is after you teach for a while, you want to break the meeting up into smaller groups, teach them something and then put them in a small group and have them apply it. So um, like, for instance, you give groups specific assignments to increase the application. Like uh, let's say you're doing safety training and you cover 10 safety tips. You can have the groups, you can put them into, into small groups and have them rank the, the safety tips by importance in their specific function at the, at the organization, at the company. And then, uh, and then once they do that in their small groups, you close down the breakout rooms and have a spokesperson from each one of the groups explains their list. So if you think about it, I mean, all the tips, if, you, if you're giving them 10 safety tips, all of the tips are important. <laughs> so, but what, by getting each group to not only explain the importance of each one, but also defend why, 
those are the ones that they listed at the top, then that content is now reinforced. Those things that they know now are important, they're they're solidifying that in their own mind. So they're telling each other now how important the, the content is. It's not you as the safety trainer trying to reinforce that or get them to believe you. Uh, another Subscribe good tip that you can use is to ask open-ended questions in your instructor-led sessions. So, um, you, you know, so this is something that you can't really do on the online training sessions. And you can do it on webinars. It's just kind of harder. But basically what you do is, is you once you give them information or give them some teaching, you can ask an open-ended question. It's best to ask ask your audience about what their opinion is of something. So that way, as long as they voice their opinion, then they're correct. You know, so the, so basically it's not hard for somebody to voice an opinion. So instead of asking a question like, um, Hey, do you think this idea that I've just presented will work? <laughs> that's a, that's a landmine that you're stepping on, right? Because you're going to get people that are going to be argumentative. Uh, and and they'll even if they agree with you, they may play devil's advocate with you. So instead of asking a yes or no question and setting yourself up, you can change it to asking their opinion about that. So you might say something like, hey, so what do you guys think the pros and cons of this idea are? <laughs> I don't know if that's grammatically correct, but there you go. Uh, or if you want to make sure that they only give you the positives, you can try something like, hey, what advantages do you can you see from this so far based on what I've shared with you so far? What are some of the advantages? And the key here is to stay away from yes or no questions. Remember that we're trying to get the group to talk. You're trying to get them to prove this stuff to themselves. So the more educated or more professional your your audience is the more that this type of of delivery system can can really reinforce the content and take a lot of the stress off of you and make it easier for you to deliver content to the to the audience now one of my favorite types of ways to get people to participate is to use what 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 was taught to me as the think right share technique. I don't like the word share, but that's what I was taught, so I, I still use it. So if you're presenting to a fairly stoic kind of crowd, you know, so it, sometimes it's hard to get them to open up. Well, you can use this technique in that situation. So basically, the, so it's three parts. You have them think about something, have them write down their answer to that thing that you're asking them to think about, and then open it up and let them read what they, what they wrote. They're sharing it with the, with the group. So, so, so after you ask your open-ended question, this time ask the group to write down the first three things that popped into their head related to that question that you just asked them. And then you make it kind of a brainstorming session for just a second and then send them. You can actually, if you want to use the breakout rooms again, you can send them to a breakout room to tell their group what they wrote down. You know, so and just as an FYI, you can do this without sending them to a breakout room. It, if it seems odd, you know, sometimes it, if it's if it's a fairly simplistic kind of question, taking the time to send them to breakout rooms might seem kind of weird. But if it's something that is more in depth and you want to get them to discuss it a little bit, and you've got bigger groups, then you can send them to a breakout room and then have them kind of discuss it. And then, uh, and and then why, when when you get them back into the main session now, after you close down the break, breakout rooms, ask them to report on what their group came up with. So, and, and by the way, this process works 
it works very similar to the open-ended question alone. However, you'll get more people to participate if you give them a chance to write down their ideas because it's much easier for someone to read what they wrote than it is to give them give you their opinion right off the cuff. Under it's a lot of pressure, especially on you know if it's a big Zoom call that kind of thing. It it really takes a lot of the risk out of the entire process. One of the other tips that you can use here is to give lots of real life examples. Examples, stories, case studies, any of that kind of stuff. The, the attention span of people today is very short. And especially in virtual meetings, it's even shorter. So when you get into a good example or a story, then the participants take kind of just for those few seconds, take a little mental vacation. They begin to see it's almost like they're seeing a mini movie in their heads. Uh, so um, when they do that, the, the meeting becomes much more interesting for them. So your virtual audience will stay with you longer. They're going to pay attention more. And, and a lot of times they'll pay attention to the entire story. Um, so basically for, for more details about that, by the way, if you, if, if, um, if stories are kind of not your thing, I did a, a whole series of sessions on improving storytelling. Um, I'll, I'll link to that in the, in the notes below. So the last big tip, and this one is really important, is you wanted, to, and it goes right back to the very first thing that we talked about in the best practices, is you want to design shorter sessions and then take a break about every hour or so. The most important training tip, just in general, especially for these virtual sessions, is to, to keep it short. The, the shorter your Zoom training sessions are, the more your audience will actually love it, right? And they'll love you too, right? If, if, if you've got a lot of content, make sure to take a break every hour or so, um, hour and 15 minutes tops. It, it's really easy to do that, by the way. All you have to do is just say something like, hey, we've been going for about an hour and we're about the halfway point. Uh, why don't we just take a quick 10 minute break? And then most people, when you do that, at least I, I, this is the way I, this is what I do in our virtual classes and all of our, basically everything that we do on a virtual basis after about an hour or so, we, we come to a good stopping point. We'll, we'll take a quick break. A lot of times what people will do is they'll just turn off their cameras. They'll turn off their microphones and they're still able to see you. So if you get up and go to the restroom or get a cup of coffee or something like that, and you come back, they still, they see that you've now come back. And, um, and when you, and a lot of times when you just start talking again, all of a sudden the screens will kind of flip on very, very quickly. Um, so most everybody will just kind of turn their cameras back on, turn their mics back on, that kind of thing. It really works. It works like a, a pretty, pretty good technique. If you have trouble getting people back, uh, then, you know, I mean, there, there are a few things that you can do in that situation as well, but that probably tells you more about how they're enjoying what you've said so far <laughs> if they're having if you're if you're having a tough time getting them back so if that's the case you might want to kind of reach out to us you might want to change your your delivery your style a little bit so that people want to actually come back so if you need help by the way designing or delivering training sessions or just uh, or just presentations in general make sure and and um, reach out to us on our website fearlesspresentations.com and, uh, and let me know um, if you have topics or if there are different things that you're going through that uh, you need help with. You can actually send that through our, our website and say, hey, you know what? I really want to, Doug to cover a topic on blank, you know, and kind of put that out, out there. And if it fits in, you know, what I've got coming up, I can, I can alter and, ad and adapt the delivery for, for that kind of thing. So anyway, hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll see you next week on the Fearless Presentations podcast. Thanks, guys.